And Nathan said to David, Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. About a decade ago, Christian Amanpour interviewed Warren Buffett for ABC News. She wanted to to find out why he was so successful. She asked him that. Uh, Buffett answered, he, he said, my wealth has come from a combination of living in America, some lucky genes, and compound interest. <laughs> Both my children and I won what I call the ovarian lottery. <laughs> uh, suspecting some false modesty and figuring that there must be more than that to becoming one of the wealthiest men alive, being dubbed the Oracle of Omaha, Amanpour pressed. He said you won the ovarian lottery. Did you, did you mean opportunity, or was it because of smarts? Buffett. It was being born in America in 1930. I was born in the right country at the right time. Bill Gates has always told me that if I had been born, you know, many thousand years ago, I'd have been some animal's lunch because I can't run fast or climb trees. Some animal would be chasing me and I'd say, but I allocate capital. (laughs) The animal would say, those are the kind that taste the best. Anyway, uh, you've got to appreciate the humor and and perhaps maybe even a little bit of of actual modesty. It's well known that, uh, that Buffett and his wife uh, still live in the home they bought together in 1958 in Omaha for $30,000. That over the last 15 years, he's given away some $40 billion uh, on his way to giving away a promised 99% of everything he has. And if you say, well, uh, Buffett's 1% is still almost a billion dollars, <laughs> it's, it's still something. It's, uh, it's still the, the modesty uh, the recognition of, of things he had no control over, the luck of the draw, uh, refusing to be impressed with himself, uh, given the many scriptural warrants about how corrosive wealth often is to one's soul, uh, one, could, one could do worse than, than that for, for Buffett. Then there's King David. Now, it's hard to compare uh, someone like David and Buffett in terms of wealth uh, 3,000 years apart as they, as they are. But, but David, he had an awful lot. Uh, Buffett in that Omaha home perhaps has a, uh, a closet of cedar or two. But we're told that, that David, he's got a whole house of the stuff, every, every timber imported. And it's surely not fair to compare what we know about Buffett from ABC News with what the Bible tells us on David. Uh, The Bible being uh, more honest, brutally so, about what really makes people tick than any book ever written. But still, you, you get the idea from our Old Testament reading, especially from what the Lord has to say to David. Uh, You get the impression that, that David, well, he is pretty impressed with himself. There's relative peace. A rest from his enemies. 
He's standing tall. He's in his his big, beautiful house of of cedar. Like I said, every timber imported. He's he's surrounded by trophies and accolades and by beautiful ladies constantly telling him how beautiful he is. And he is beautiful. He's got the biceps and and the hair. Uh, the, the gold and platinum records uh, that, he, that he won for all those, those hit psalms, they're, uh, they're covering the walls. But no lottery winner, him. No, 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 no luck of the draw for him. No, at this point, he figures that it's mostly because, well, he's a, he's a, he's a take-charge kind of guy. In fact, so much so that he is going to take charge of building God a house. To which you might say, well, well, isn't that a good thing? Which I respond, I don't think here. I think it's something like this. It's like the, uh, it's like the NFL superstar who's just won a, a $200 million, earned, I should say, a $200 million contract going and finding his, his peewee football coach from years before and giving him something nice, saying, you got me started. Couldn't have done it without you, coach. While he... And everyone know he's pretty certain he could and would have. <laughs> or maybe like this, like the Nobel winning scientist giving her, her 10th grade chemistry teacher a shout out. You planted the seed and look at me now. With the emphasis distinctly falling on that last part. Look at me now. <laughs> and you think of being hard on David. Again. Just look to how God responded to him through the prophet Nathan to see exactly what's going on. To paraphrase. So so you're going to build me a house, huh? <laughs> well, that's just great, Dave. For you know, I've, I've been looking for a place. Uh, the tent, it's getting really drafty. Uh, those things on Craigslist, they're, they're, really, they're really expensive these days. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks for looking out for, for poor little Yahweh. Where would I be without you? And then he goes on to say, yes, David, I am being sarcastic. (laughs) David, you are a lottery winner. David, I took you from the pasture. Goliath, perhaps you remember him. Do you think, Dave, that it was your your fancy swinging prowess in those five smooth stones that that brought down the giant? Who was it that protected you from Saul? Who was it that slayed those tens of, of thousands? Who is it that's given you rest from your enemies now? Whose spirit is it that makes you sing? Need I go on, David? I've made you, David. I've built you. I've been with you. And then, David, don't get me wrong. Just because you are stuck on yourself right now, don't get me wrong and think that I'm going to leave you. Things will change, you'll see, but I will be with you. I will make you. I will continue building you. This life around you, this house of cedar around you, it will rot and it will burn. But I promise you, David, I will build for you a house and a kingdom that will never fall. So that's David. And then there's Mary. You have to fast forward uh, a thousand years to her. Uh, she's very different from David, from, from Buffett too, for that matter. There's no, no billions, no, no cedar home, uh, no, no reason for Christiane Amanpour to uh, be interested in her. Not much chance of her getting too impressed with herself. No one else was. We don't know much about this Mary, uh, probably for the, uh, mostly because there's not much to say. 
Not much to say for her, except that uh, a millennium before she was even born, uh, she had a, a really uh, uh, important relative who lived in a big cedar house. That and that God sent to her not a prophet, but a messenger. He sent to her this angel Gabriel, who said, Greetings. Joy. I've been waiting so long to see you, and I'm so glad to be able to say this to you now. He says, You're favored. You're graced. God has a gift for you. The Lord is with you, even you. You have won the lottery. Heck, you have won an ovarian lottery like none other. For the Spirit of the Most High will come upon you, overshadow you, and you will have a son, and he will be Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be holy. He'll be the one promised to David. He'll be a king of kings, and he'll build a house not of cedar, but of grace and mercy and forgiveness and welcome. He will build, and he will be a house of love all people that will never fall, never rot, never burn. That's Mary, full of grace, precisely because she's not full of herself. One more person. Well, it's the same person, but in a different place. David again. Not from our Old Testament reading, but from a few pages later. Um, This David, it's almost a completely different person, so I'm going to treat him that way. We saw him in that Old Testament reading, high in the hog, standing tall. But after God had set him straight on who's running the show and and doing the building, things start to stink for David. They start to stink with a stench that no amount of cedar could possibly cover up. God has gotten rid of his enemies, but David is still stuck with himself. (laughs) He's still stuck with his insecurities. He's still stuck with his, his jealousies and his lusts. Turn a couple pages and we see David again with that same big, beautiful cedar house, but now not resting on his throne, but wandering around voyeur-like on the roof where he spies one Bathsheba. And you probably know this story, how the spying leads to the abuse, to the adultery, to the murder, to the death of a child. A few pages later on, you may not remember this one, we hear of one of David's son, sons, Amnon, raping his stepsister, Tamar, only to be murdered by another son, Tamar's brother, Absalom, who, like his father, also has big desires and ambitions, and who so a couple pages later after that is going to war against his father, David, until Absalom is slain in battle. And David cries out with one of the most heart-wrenching cries in all of literature and all of the scripture, Absalom, my son, oh my son, Absalom, would that I have died instead of you, oh Absalom, my son, my son. Jump a little further. Fallen far in his last days, surrounded by trophies and accolades that could not warm him, grieved, impotent, alone, and pitifully vengeful. The great king's last recorded words are a broken oath in order to execute someone he had promised to spare. And then there's you and me. There's us. Where where do we fit in with those folks? I suppose we spend a fair bit of our time shuffling back and forth between those two versions of David. 
You may have made those connections while I was talking about them. One moment rather impressed with ourselves and our trophies, standing tall, maybe even moved to to help out the little guy. More than anything else, remind ourselves that we're not the little guy. But then the next, left to ourselves and our own jealousies and lusts and insecurities all come spilling out. And all the trophy amassing. Look at this house, these biceps, these smarts. All of it shown to be one of the sad and destructive symptoms of our desperate need to be loved. Leaving us often, too often, cold and even angry. In fact, it's just that being left to ourselves. In fact, it's just that being left to ourselves along with some spirit-gifted honesty and perhaps, too, the growing sensation that our own last days are coming that sets us down right next to that Mary. Not too impressive, are we? Done with being, being impressed by ourselves. Not much worth saying about folks like us, but folks to whom God sends a messenger. Greetings. Joy, brothers and sisters. I've just been waiting for this opportunity to tell you this. That the Lord is with you. Even you. Someday you might be lucky enough to get a fancier message like a Nathan. (laughs) Or maybe even some shining Gabriel-like figure. But today, it's just me. And the message is this, you've won the lottery. For Mary had a son, and his name is Jesus, and he's great, and he's holy, and he's the one promised to David. And whether you're standing tall or falling far, impressed with yourself, if you are, it won't last, or or, uh, falling deeply, he is with you. He's slain all the Goliaths, and he's certainly not done it with your five smooth stones. He's done it with his five jagged wounds from the cross, hands and feet and side, each one of them crying out an answer to our own desperate cries to be loved. Each one crying out, you are forgiven, you are enough. You are loved with a love which is stronger than all, and you're stuck on your selfness. A love which is mightier than all your jealousies and all your lusts. A love which is truer, truer for you. For you, when you grow old and cold, truer even than death itself. For fellow graced ones, King Jesus has built the house. And it's not built it of cedar, but of grace and mercy and forgiveness and welcome. And he's built it for you. You can call it a, a Christmas gift. He's built you and all people a house of love that will never rot and never burn and will never, never, ever fall. The Lord is with you. Standing tall, falling flat, even you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.